But Satan is using the world and the glamour that's in it to entice us so that we will someday be unfaithful to God. Demas was one of this in the same issue. And the Bible says that he hath forsaken Paul in the ministry, having loved the present world. Good evening. It is always a privilege to bring the Word of God into His people. We will be dealing with the life of one of the kings of the southern tribe of Judah. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 12, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 3. You can follow along as I read verses 1 to 3 of 2 Kings chapter 12. Okay, if you're there, the Word of God says, In, in the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash began to reign, and forty years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. And Jehoash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away, the people still sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. Now we will be dealing with or this, this sermon is entitled, Life Lessons from the Life of King Joash, or we, some uh, other passages call him Jehoash. There's uh, five lessons, or five life lessons that we are going to learn, four of which, out of, out of five, there's only one that he did that which is right. And four of those, he did the opposite of what we are going to learn tonight. Now, to start with, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, and Hebrews chapter 10, 38, speaks of a very familiar passage, and you know, I think you know, that all, all of you know, knows this, that the Bible says, the just, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And now, as you can see, of all these four passages, God emphasizes how we should live our lives as children of God. And that is very important for us to understand because even both in the Old and New Testament, God emphasizes this very great truth that the just shall live by faith. We've learned last Sunday and even for today what faith is. And faith is the idea of having confidence, having confidence on what God says in His Word. It's not just a leap of, of faith in the darkness or whatsoever you put your faith into, but it is actually a confidence in what God says in His Word. Hence, every Christian, every Christian must desire faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith in Christ doesn't stop when we receive Him as our Lord and personal Savior. And I know it's, you know, it's kind of like cliche for that sentence, but there are lots of Christians who just know, just, just um, really 
uh, for them, it's only good for them to know about that they are really, know, they know the Lord as their personal Savior. It's good to know that, that we are saved, but our lives should continue in faith in Jesus Christ. Thus, thus the text says, living by faith. But not, but not just an ordinary faith. It needs to be a strong faith. A strong faith. At the end of the day, the faith that the Holy Spirit produces, according to Galatians chapter 5, in our lives is strong. It is not fake. Faith, this is faith that is not fake. It is not propped up faith. It is a strong faith. Strong faith does not mean being free from the temptation and trials of life. It means that when testing comes, strong faith stands. It continues. It perseveres. That strong faith, that's the idea or character of a strong faith. And for faith to be strong, it needs to be rest on a sure foundation. And that is the Word of God. Now remember Jesus Christ in his teachings in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus Christ gave an illustration of two different foundations. Remember, you remember that? Right? One house is sure and solid. Why? Because it was built on a rock. Okay? It was built on a rock. It withstood any trials and temptations in life. But the other house was shaky and weak because it was built on a sand. Maybe it, was very, maybe it was a very attractive house outside, but its weak foundation was exposed when trials came. Now the question for tonight, how strong is your faith? How strong is your faith? Is your faith just standing because of your parents? You know, when your parents are gone, will you continue to go to church? When you continue to, uh, you know, to live for the Lord, will you continue to serve, serve God? How about if, you know, some of us will have a Christian leaders who look, we, we, we look up to, but if we, see, we have seen their lives and eventually at the end of at the end of their lives, they stop on following the Lord. Will you also, will you still be continue in following, following the Lord? Maybe you have a mentor who guides you. What happens if you are on your own and testing comes? What will you do? What happens when you're not around other Christians who can persuade you to the right path? What will you do? So you see, it is important that our faith is strong. We want to make sure that our faith is solely dependent on very one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because any foundations outside of Him is a sinking sand. When our faith is strong, we can be faithful living for God. Because faithfulness really is vital. Right? In following the Lord, faithfulness is the key. A lot of people during the time of Jesus Christ, multitudes is following them. 
but they were, when they met with the reality of their need, they stopped following the Lord. That's the question. How strong is your faith? Faithfulness is vital in following the Lord. Tonight we're going to learn from the life of a boy who became a king. And according to 2 Kings chapter 12 and also 2 Chronicles chapter 24, Joash began to reign when he was seven years of age. And he reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem. His life can be broken down into two parts. His life before his spiritual counselor died, and that is Jehoiada, the high priest, and his life after Jehoiada died. And we can learn several things. As I said, we'll learn five things from King Joash's life and how can we be faithful to God. Before that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the things that we can see in your word. Lord, we ask as we learn from King Josh, Josh's life, I ask that you would help us see, see our lives as well as, as one that looking on the mirror and that when you rebuke us, when you in, encourage us and strengthen us through your word, I do ask that you would, we will do something and help us, Lord, to be better Christian to grow in our faith in you. Help us to learn, and may the Holy Spirit would teach and that you would instruct us tonight. And we commit all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the first thing that we can learn from the life of Joash is first, if you're a note-taker, number one is that we must remain anchored in God. We must remain anchored in God. Now, I'll go back and forth in 2 Kings chapter 12 and also 2 Chronicles chapter 24 because he needs both sides in order for us to understand the very context of his life. Having a mentor or someone you look up to can significantly impact our lives as Christians. I myself is... A recipient of, of those things. There are people that God brought along my side to help me with my Christian life. And it's really significant to continue to be faithful in, in the ministry. But look with me here in verse 2. It says, And Joash, Jeho, Jehoash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord uh, all his days wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Now, if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 24, there's a little bit of, of um, a different wordings here. Okay, you go to Second Chronicles chapter 24. In verse 2 it says, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days, of Jehoiada the priest. And as what I've said, mentor is very significant to, to uh, uh, and have an impact in our Christian lives. Though King Joash started to reign at a very young age. Can you imagine? Like maybe Canada is ruled by a seven-year-old. No, it's, I don't know where, where, where we're going at. Okay? But, uh, you know, God knows knows everything, right? Knows what's best. 
but he allowed King Joash to reign at this very young age, the seven years old. God provided, God provided a spiritual mentor in his life. God knew that Joash needed guidance and godly wisdom. So God, in his mercy, actually, in all the hundred years of Israel's history during this time, Jehoiada lived for 130 years. God allowed that to ha happen, and I believe that's for Joash to stay in the right path. And I believe that Jehoiada also taught King Joash well. He taught the statutes of God and guided him with godly wisdom. And so that's why we can see in both accounts in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we can see that he did what which was right in the sight of the Lord. But these verses actually, uh, you know, raise some questions. To whom did Joash's obedience rest? You, you understand what I meant? To whom did his obedience rest? What it, was it only superficial? Because the Bible says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. Many Christians, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of, of things that you can also hear from the news, that many Christians stop living for the Lord because the person they look up to died or did a horrible sin. And eventually they found themselves not living for the Lord anymore because it's like, I'm... I'm I'm following a leader that's a hypocrite. And some people, some Christians also blame other Christians as the reason why they're not faithful to God anymore. Well, of course, you can, while we can make a good point about these arguments, they are still not an ex excuse to stop serving the Lord. And as Christians, we must resolve in our lives to be faithful to God. Our faithfulness to God should only be dependent on Him and not on something or someone else. I guess the question is, will you still be faithful even without the person that you depend on? Spiritually speaking, will you still will God still find you faithful serving Him? You know, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, some blame other Christians, uh, some blame other Christians as the cause of their unfaithfulness, but, the, but these verses says, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as she have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now notice that where the Bible says that the, even the Apostle Paul tried to clarify is to the Colossian believers that where should our, our faith would rest? Our lives as Christians, it must be rooted in Christ. It also, also will build up in Him. And so the very first thing that we learned here and we don't have any details, you know, per se, the answer to the question where, 
to, uh, to whom did Joash's obedience rest? Or is it so, uh, superficial obedience only? But we've learned from here that we must remain anchored in God and not something else or anyone else in order for us to continue and to be faithful to God. Number two, we must take, this is the second thing that we can learn from the, his life. We must take the matter of sin seriously. And for that, let's go back to Second uh, Kings chapter 12. Verse 3, I like the word there, but, right? But, if you, can, if you go in the life of Hezekiah and Josiah, this is a very opposite thing that he did. So verse 3, it says, But the high places were not taken away. The people, okay, there's a call in there, and, and that's the reason why it explains, the people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. Places And that is a very significant if you learn about high places. Okay? There's not much explanation as to why Jehoiada gave, uh, you know, um, another one, another instance, because I have to, let's go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 24. You can almost like live, uh, leave a marker there. Because we're going back and forth. Second Chronicles chapter 24. And we have another here, another, uh, another instance. Verse 3, And Jehoiada, that is the high priest, took for him two wives. And he begot sons and daughters. Now there's two things, right? Number one, he did, uh, he, he did not take away the high places. And also in Second Chronicles, we are told that Jehoiada, uh, uh, Joash had two wives, okay? Two wives. Now, there's not much explanation as to why the high priest gave two wives to Joash. But God explicitly, if you, if you read Je- Deuteronomy chapter 17, 17, this is, a, this is, you know, a law to the kings, and the Bible says, neither shall he multiply to himself, uh, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart, that's very clear, right? That his heart turn not away. Now, however, the Bible does not record that Joash had a problem with, with women. But I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's right. But this was still against God's will. And another reason is this. Back then, the law of the land, okay, the law of the land, it was allowable for a king. If you're a king, it is allowable to have two wives in case one woman was infertile or cannot have a male child. Okay, talking about, you know, pressure of having a male child, right? Because you need to make sure the bloodline will be still intact. Okay. However, since God already, okay, if you read the life of David, in the Vedic covenant, God already promised David that his line will be forever, right? There's a succession under the Davidic line. 
And this can't be used as an excuse. Now, even though, let's say, you know, the law of the land, you know, permits that. But it's still not, according to God's word, it's not still God's will to have two wives. But also we are told in 2 Kings, during Joash's reign, that high places were not taken away. Now, high places, basically, it's not like us. You know, super grandiose thing, but it's high. It's uh, they call it high places because uh, they're elevated position. It's high. <laughs> uh, it's a kind of a hill. Uh, it's very um, high places were part of Israel's history actually for many years. They were simply an elevated piece of gra- uh, ground to for worship. Now, however, if you study this, most part for the most part. High places were used for idols, just like all the pagans around them. Okay, remember? Because God wants them not to be like the other nations around them. However, they adopted these high places for them to be able to worship pagan deities, and that's what happened in their land. It was not very, you know, it was not very convenient for everyone to travel to Jerusalem and worship. And so, this happens. Many Israelites like the high places for several reasons. Number one, convenience. You know, who likes the hardship of following God's regulation? I mean, if I can just go here locally, serve God, or you just say, I can just worship God in my home, not going to church. That's basically the, the understanding of it. Number two, personal control. Well, why submit to God's pattern of worship when we can just create on our own that's better and suits in our schedule and our interests? And number three, self-proclaimed leadership. What's the difference there possibly be between the Levites, uh, Levite priests who regulate the worship and those of our leaders who can perform locally. And so that's why the high places were not taken because of these uh, several reasons. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, we're told that a little leaven, what? Leaveneth the whole lump. Someone might say, well, what's the big deal of high places, right? King Joash did that which was right in the eyes of God anyhow. And someone said, small cracks in a dam that holds back the floodwaters of sin can widen into the whole huge holes. Now remember, Adam and Eve, they just ate one even one bite. Israelites did not completely kill the wicked Canaanites from the promised land as what God told them to do. King Saul did not kill Agag and the best of his livestock. Ananias and Sapphira kept a small portion of what they gave to the Lord. Now, if you re- really be serious into the matter of sin, you know, do you think that, you know, there's just a small portion, right? Small portion. 
you know, sin must be dealt with seriously or, or it will erode your faithfulness to God someday. Maybe you say, you say, yeah, just a small thing, but the thing is, eventually in your life, it will erode your faithfulness. We should evaluate our lives from, from time to time because there might be sin that we think it's not that actually erodes our faithfulness to God. Satan, because Satan is very expert in convincing us that small sins can do no harm for us as Christians in our lives, but it does. And I'm sure you've experienced that in, in your lives as well. And so that's why the second thing that we can learn in his life that we must deal the matter of sin seriously. And the third one, we must maintain spiritual priorities. And for this, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 12, verses 4 to 16. Now, we don't have a, a lot of time dissecting of, uh, a lengthy passage but essentially, King Joash led the people in repairing the temple. Now, we are, we're told here in verse 4, And Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated things that is brought into the house of the Lord, even the money of every one that passeth the account, the money that every man is set at, and all the money that cometh into any man's heart, to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priest take it to them, every man of his acquaintance, and let them repair the breaches of the house wheresoever any breach shall be found. And we are, you know, we can continue, you can continue that later on, but um, the temple was uh, essential, very essential in Israel's worship of God, and Joash recognized the need to repair the temple. And this is something that we can see in the life of King Joash. The initial plan was to use some of the money that the people con uh, contributed for the maintenance of the priesthood, but basically whatever the people's money to go to the maintenance of the priesthood, some of it will be taken and to pay the private sector to repair the breaches of the temple. However, the, if you read the passage, the priests seemed not happy about it and did not cooperate with the plan. And so Joash adopted a free will kind of offering, free will offering approach. And, they, and he placed a chest, it's basically the joy that the priest place a chest outside at the gate of the house of the Lord and appointed a non-priest to supervise the administration. Now, this method proved effective in that they collected a great amount of money to repair the temple, plus there's a surplus of money, was there, and they used it to make vessels for the Lord. Now, at this point, Joash did that which was right in the sight of God. As a leader, he could have prioritized what? Political and economic areas of the country. But you see, he prioritized God and his work first. Maintaining spiritual priorities builds our faithfulness to God. 
Now, Jesus Christ said something like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And I know a lot of you uh, memorized this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if you look at the context, this verse ties, ties into what we always care about in this world. What we care about in this world? Food, clothing, you know, shelter. However, when we prioritize the cares of this world, our faithfulness slowly drifts away. Slowly drifts away. For example, when we start making the church an option and to replace that with other things, we will slowly find ourselves being comfortable of not going to church. Now, this is a reality. You know, when, you know, one is, is okay, and eventually you are very comfortable with that situation. When we start to, do, to, be, to not be involved in soul winning, not, you know, taking advantage and sharing your faith to the lost, we will find ourselves being comfortable of not sharing our faith with others. You will just like a, you know, deep agent of the Lord and not telling others about who you are as a Christian. When we start, and when we start to stop serving God, we will find ourselves being comfortable with not serving God and others in the church. You know, and our faithfulness to God builds up when we prioritize spiritual things, something that, that is worth eternal. And that's why we have a passage in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If ye then, if ye then be risen with Christ, uh, look at the preface of that verse, right? If ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, that if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, right? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so number three, we must maintain spiritual priorities. Number four, we must seek God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. And I think this would be the turning point of, of the life of King Josh. And for this, let's go to Second Chronicles in chapter 24. Second Chronicles 24. Um, I'll just start. Uh, I will just start read the verse 15, verse 24. But Jehoiada waxed old, and was full of days when he died. A hundred and thirty years old was he. Uh, was he when he died? And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God. And toward his house. And in verse 17 it says, Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princess of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their 
trespass. Faithfulness to God involves his wisdom, right? If we want to be in the right path, you know, God's path, we need the wisdom of God. And that's why when you read the book of Proverbs, especially in chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, it says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And here in verse 17 was a big turning point in the life of Joash. After the death of his spiritual mentor, King Joash had the opportunity actually to continue walking in the right, uh, right path on which he grew up, in which he had learned from, from his, his spiritual mentor. It's actually amazing how Joash grew up in the instructions of God. And yet, we never saw that he sought the Lord, neither God's wisdom. But instead, the Bible says that the king hearkened unto them, talking about the princes of Judah. You know, he could have stayed faithful to God had he not hearkened unto the princes of Judah. And as a result, in verse 18, the Bible says, And they left the house of the Lord, God of their fathers, and served groves and idols. Wow, a dramatic turning point, an event. And it's so sudden, uh, so quickly after the the high priest died. The Corinthian believers in the New Testament had the same issue with idolatry. And so Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee. From idolatry. You know, you have to you kind of think and or question, but why would they chose to abandon the house of the Lord and the God of their fathers? Must have been associated with the lust of the flesh, right? Lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Because of the end of because you can see there, princes of Judah made obeisance to the king. And it's sort of worshiping him. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Today, we may not have the same, you know, problem of sin like worshiping groves. We do, we don't, um, you don't have groves in your place, don't you? Hopefully not. We don't worship groves and idols as they, uh, you know, back then. But Satan is using the world and the glamour that's in it 
to entice us so that we will someday be unfaithful to God. Demas was one of this in the same issue. And the Bible says that he hath forsaken Paul in the ministry, having loved the present world. If Demas died living for the world, you know, what a tragedy to end his, his life. And so the same as, you know, can happen to us, any one of us. Now the question is, are you loyal to Jesus Christ? Are you just, are you just a follower of Jesus Christ when others drag you along? Can you dare to be a Daniel and dare to stand alone for Christ? When people around you became unfaithful, will you still stand and be faithful to God, willing to fellowship with the suffering of Jesus Christ? Or are you just a fair-weather Christian? Fair-weather Christian. And lastly, number five, we must listen to God's rebuke. Now for this, let's, uh, you're there already, I think. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 19 to 22, it says, Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came unto Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper, because ye have forsaken the Lord, ye hath also, uh, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the courts of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his, uh, his father has done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord, look upon it and require it. Now, verse 19 started the word yet. You know, just that three-letter word. And for me, it's very, it's very precious. I like that word, yet. You know, King Joash decided to listen to evil counsel, right? Then he forsaken the house of the Lord. And not only that, he served groves and idols instead of the one and true God. But the Bible says, yet God sent prophets to them. Not just him, but to them. You know, God's grace is unfathomable, right? God's grace. He could have just struck King Joas there because he deserves it, I think. You know, but the Lord is very gracious. He's very gracious. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous of mercy. Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says, And rent your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your, your, your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. God show, showed mercy, His mercy and grace. But you know what they did? The Bible says, but they 
would not give ear. Joash and the people failed to listen and respond. And I imagine the prophets, uh, were, uh, the prophets were proclaiming, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. But they did not listen. Probably the prophets were, you know, were, were the problem, right? The, prov- the prophets that were sent were, not, you know, it's not really strong when proclaiming the, the word of God. And let's see what happens when we send the best possible prophet on that day, the one who should be the most persuasive and have the most influence with the leaders as well as, with, uh, as, well as people. And verse 20, we, we hear, we see that God sent Zechariah. And who is Zechariah? Well, he is the son of the godly high priest, Jehoiada, whom, whom King Joash is spiritual uh, counselor. Zechariah delivered the message, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. Instead of listening, what they did, they murdered Zechariah in the court of the house of the Lord. King Josiah had fallen deep in sin. And look at the heinous crime they did. Blatant misuse of, the, of, of God's delegated power. You know, you can see there in verse 21, uh, the, command, the commandment of the king. It not, it's not just the generals or other people who commanded to kill Zechariah. It is the king himself who commanded to kill Zechariah. You know, if you take look back in his life, God saved Joash from the hands of Athaliah, his, gra- his grandmother. You know, to, his grandmother wants to kill him. His grand uh, put him, and then what God did, he put him into the, uh, on the throne to lead his people to worship God. Instead, he served idols, and he did not listen to the rebuke of God. And worse... He ordered the people to kill the man of God. He is also ungrateful to the kindness of God shown through Jehoiada the priest. He also, there's also a rejection of God himself by killing his prophet. And the fourth thing, he made an insult to the sacred ground of the house of the Lord. It was a shameful legacy. At the end, He was wounded in battle. He was assassinated. He was not buried in the sepulcher of the kings because of the things that he did. God does not want his children to wander away from his grace. And sometimes he will rebuke us, right? He will rebuke us through the preaching of his word or when we, when, uh, when, when you ha- when we have our, our Bible reading. And there are times that he will chasten us through circumstances as well. His rebuke and chastening are manifestation of his love toward us. And the Bible really tells us that, that my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord 
nor when thou art rebuke of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son when he receiveth. Now what life lesson we've learned from the life of King Joash and how can we be faithful in God? Well, we've learned already we need to remain anchored in him. We need to take the matter of sin seriously in our lives. We need to maintain spiritual priorities. We need to seek God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. And we need to listen to God's rebuke. God wants, to be faith, God wants us to be faithful to Him. You know, to finish strong, right? To finish strong. When we face the Lord Jesus Christ, and we, I know we, all, we will all do, we will stand unto Him face to face. Will I hear? Or will you hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Will you remain faithful to Him? Now maybe this, this preaching will probably not very, you know, kind of, you don't understand. And maybe you're today, here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know, you can start your relationship with Him and you too can be faithful to Him. You know, all you need to do is repent of your sins and realize your need of the Savior and accept Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. You know, don't wait for tomorrow. You can start living for Him tonight. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.